This is AFF On Air, the Australian Frequent Flyer podcast, bringing you the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. G'day and welcome to episode 45 of AFF On Air. It's Saturday the 19th of September 2020 and I'm your host Matt Graham. Coming up in today's episode, tens of thousands of Australians are still trying to get home with limited success. As the government slowly starts to increase the arrivals caps, I speak to an Australian in the Netherlands who had no choice but to set up a GoFundMe page just so they could book a ticket back to Australia. The next available flight for her was a business class ticket in six weeks. Also coming up, Norfolk Island is open for tourism with no quarantine required of travellers coming from five Australian states. If you're keen for an overseas holiday right now, this Australian overseas territory could be the next best thing. I'll explain how you can get there. That's coming up later in the episode, but first, here's what's making news in the world of airlines and frequent flyer programs this fortnight. And firstly, a seven-hour Qantas flight from Sydney to Sydney, yep, that's right, sold out in just 10 minutes last Thursday. The scenic Boeing 787 Joy flight will take place on the 10th of October, and it will take 134 lucky passengers on a tour around Australia from the air. The flight will travel north from Sydney into the Gold Coast and then up to the Great Barrier Reef before turning inland towards Uluru and Katatuta in the Northern Territory. And there'll be low-level flybys of Sydney Harbour, Gold Coast and Uluru. Passengers will also receive goodies like business class pyjamas and gift bags on board. Tickets for the special flight cost $787 for economy class, $1,787 for premium economy, or $3,787 for business class, and passengers can earn frequent flyer points and status credits for the flight. With such high demand for this one-off flight, perhaps Qantas will consider putting on even more. But some critics have questioned whether it's responsible for airlines to be generating carbon emissions operating seven-hour flights to nowhere. Qantas will likely use the flight as a publicity stunt to lobby for state borders to reopen. In its marketing of the flight, Qantas was quite deliberate in its use of the phrase crossing the Queensland border in the description of the flight path. The flight will take place just a day after the Northern Territory proposes now to reopen travel from Sydney. That's currently slated for the 9th of October, but as always is subject to health advice. Qantas last week launched a petition to safely reopen state borders. CEO Alan Joyce says that while he understands the necessity of some of the border closures, like with Victoria at the moment, he doesn't understand why states with no COVID-19 cases are closed to other states with no COVID-19 cases at an enormous economic and social cost. On this front, there is some good news this week. Last Wednesday, South Australia opened its border to the ACT, but not New South Wales yet. And yesterday, the Queensland government announced that it will permit quarantine-free travel also from the ACT starting from next Friday, the 25th of September. This will only apply to Canberrans that have not been in New South Wales during the previous 14 days, uh, which is quite difficult. The ACT is an island within New South Wales, and a lot of people go over to Queanbeyan for shopping, for example. But nonetheless, it is a promising step in the right direction to opening up the borders again. Qantas has extended all existing Qantas Club memberships by a further six months, bringing the total extension to a full year. The validity of most complimentary Qantas lounge invitations, such as those that come with credit cards, are also being extended by a further six months up to a year. Qantas originally extended the membership of all existing Qantas Club members by six months in late March 2020 after the airline was forced to close all of its lounges worldwide and ground its international flights. 
Anyone with a paid Qantas Club membership purchased either with a credit or debit card or Qantas points, as of the 23rd of March this year, was automatically given a six-month extension, and that includes Qantas Club members that joined through the AFF corporate scheme. But with many lounges still closed, including all of the international lounges, it does seem like a fair thing to do. Virgin Australia initially extended its lounge memberships by six months as well, but with Virgin's lounges now closed for a full six months already, and Qantas Club now extending memberships for a full year, Virgin will almost certainly need to match at some point. Meanwhile, Priority Pass members have complained that they have not been offered refunds even though they have been unable to travel, and many Priority Pass airport lounges have been closed since March. Priority Pass operates a network of over 1,300 airport lounges, and members can access those lounges as part of their membership. During the height of the COVID-19 travel shutdown, a majority of airport lounges around the world were closed. Priority Pass says that more lounges are now starting to open again, and as of last Friday, 57% of global Priority Pass-affiliated lounges were open. That's an improvement from six weeks ago when less than half were accepting guests. But there are currently no Priority Pass lounges open in Australia, just seven affiliated airport restaurants, two of which are airside in international terminals beyond the immigration checkpoint, so not really accessible to Australians uh, travelling domestically. Um, This includes the Rex Domestic lounges in Sydney, Melbourne and Adelaide, which normally are available to Priority Pass members but remain closed indefinitely. With Australians effectively banned from travelling overseas since March, that makes it very difficult for Australians to get value out of their Priority Pass memberships. Despite this, Priority Pass members have only been offered three-month extensions on their membership and a further three-month extension if they renew next year. The ACCC will maintain close scrutiny on domestic airline competition over the next three years amid concerns that some airlines could exploit the pandemic to engage in anti-competitive behaviour. Yesterday, the ACCC handed down its first of many quarterly reports that it will produce for the federal government until 2023, outlining the impact of COVID-19 on the domestic aviation sector and how the ACCC plans to protect Australian airline competition. And the initial impact certainly was was quite large. In the report, it says that in April 2020, uh, domestic travel fell by 95%. In addition to the ACCC's normal functions, the federal government has asked the consumer watchdog for the next little while to monitor airline prices, costs and profits over this uh, period of very significant change. And Qantas, Virgin and Rex for the time being are now being required to supply monthly flight capacity, passenger number and revenue data to the ACCC so they can do this. The ACCC is particularly concerned that airlines may dump excess capacity, offer below-cost fares that are designed to push competitors out of the market, or hoard airport slots at cost at um, congested airports such as Sydney. Velocity Frequent Flyer has finally reopened its reward store and wine store, meaning it's now once again possible for Velocity members to redeem their points for merchandise, wine and gift cards. At the same time, NAB Rewards is now the second Australian bank loyalty program to reinstate point transfers to Velocity Frequent Flyer. Until tomorrow, Velocity is also offering a 20% bonus when transferring points from NAB Rewards or American Express membership rewards as well as several hotel loyalty programs. Velocity Frequent Flyer is also currently offering 30% off the points required for Virgin Australia Business Class reward seats and upgrades for travel until the 24th of October. The discount reflects that you're also getting 30% less service in Virgin Australia Business Class at the moment. You will get a bigger seat and more personal space up the front of the plane, but there's currently no business class catering, onboard Wi-Fi or airport lounge access available. 
Qantas has axed the Canberra-based special service team that used to look after its Platinum One frequent flyers. Qantas says that the 23 staff affected have been redeployed to other parts of the business. By all accounts, the proactive service uh, provided by the special service team in Canberra has been excellent. There are countless stories on AFF of the SST, as it's been known, saving the day. Qantas says that the change was designed as a result of feedback from members. The loss of the Platinum One special service team comes just days after Qantas sacked the staff at several of its overseas airport lounges as well. With international flights off the cards for the foreseeable future, Qantas's contracted lounge staff at overseas ports, including Hong Kong and Singapore, have been made redundant. Westpac has discontinued its range of American Express-issued credit cards. These were originally designed to get around the Reserve Bank's interchange fee regulations, which American Express is not subject to. But Westpac now says that there has been a change in consumer appetite for bundled credit card products. And Avianca's Life Miles Frequent Flyer program is currently offering its best ever deal. Until the 25th of September, you can get 200% bonus miles when buying Life Miles online. That is a very good deal, but there are some risks involved, as Avianca, the parent airline, is currently in voluntary administration, and there have been reports of some Star Alliance partner airlines cancelling Life Miles award tickets recently. That's what's making news this fortnight. For more regular news updates and deals, subscribe to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette or follow us on Facebook. And head over to australianfrequentflyer.com.au for all the details. Around 24,000 Australians are currently registered with the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade as trying to return to the country. Airlines estimate the real number is closer to 100,000. But at the moment, only 3,950 Australians per week are allowed to return to the country due to the flight caps designed to alleviate pressure on Australia's hotel quarantine system. These caps are slowly being increased from next week. Prime Minister Scott Morrison announced after yesterday's National Cabinet meeting that New South Wales will take in an extra 500 return travellers per week, starting from Monday the 27th of September. Queensland and Western Australia will increase their intake as well by 200 per week from the same date. Queensland will then increase this by another 300 per week from the 4th of October, and Western Australia by another 300 from the 11th of October, making those increases a total of 500 per week each as well. By my calculations, that will make it possible for up to 5,475 Australians, if I'm not mistaken, to return home each week from next month. This is a very welcome step in the right direction, but it will still take months to clear the backlog as long as these caps remain in place. With so few passengers allowed into the country at the moment, airlines have drastically increased their airfares. Some airlines are also actively bumping economy class passengers in favour of those who've paid more for a business or first class ticket. And some airlines, including Qatar Airways, have stopped selling economy class tickets altogether. With as few as 25 passengers currently allowed on some flights into Australia, airlines are charging the maximum possible airfare for every seat they're allowed to sell in order to minimise their losses. And you can't really blame them, they're a business. There's also no orderly queue for those Australians wishing to return. The only way to guarantee a seat on a flight home, according to many who've tried recently, is to pay through the nose for a full fare business class ticket. That way you're less likely to get bumped. Even then, though, the next available flight could be months away. 
For those Australians still stuck overseas, it's an awful situation. Many have been trying to get home for months, and there's still no end in sight. There's a Canberran, for example, who's currently in Cebu with an infected leg. Uh, She can't access medical treatment where she is, and she's currently needing to wait another month and a half to get home. The more than 30,000 Australians stuck overseas, like the lady in Cebu, are not just numbers. They're real people, many in vulnerable situations and struggling also with the mental health impact of the situation they suddenly find themselves in through little or no fault of their own. Some are homeless and have no money left, and I'm not even exaggerating. Peter Den Hayden, an Australian man who recently managed to get home from the Netherlands, has started a website called removethecap.com, which allows Australians stuck overseas to register their locations and their stories. Over 2,300 families and individuals in over 40 countries have already registered just on this website, which is not official in any way. I I will post a link to the website in the episode notes, because the map gives a pretty good idea of just the general locations of where Australians are trying to get home from, and many have also shared their stories on this website, many of them heartbreaking. Of the Australians registered on Remove the Cap, only around 2% are in the Netherlands, But when I reached out recently to an online group of Australians in the Netherlands, I was inundated with responses from people in tough situations that have tried to come home but so far haven't been able to. Some lucky few have been able to book tickets, but for for them it's been at a great expense and there's been a very long wait before they can actually get on a plane. One of those Australians who's been finding it difficult to get home is Courtney Devine, who's originally from Perth and has been living in the Netherlands for the last two and a half years in Amsterdam. And Courtney joins me now. Welcome to the AFF on Air podcast. Thanks, Matt. How are you? I'm well, thanks. I hope you're doing all right too, despite the issues you're having getting back to Australia. So, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I want to start by asking you just what have you been doing in the Netherlands uh, for the last two and a half years? Uh, So I moved over to Amsterdam in April 2018 for a job, um, managing the first F45 fitness franchise in Amsterdam. Uh, So I managed it since the day it opened and have grown it into a fantastic business. Um, So I've I've truly loved my job and my experience in in Amsterdam, and I'm very sad to be uh, walking away from that at the moment. Um, but I don't really feel like I have another option. Yeah. So obviously um, the borders to Australia started to close in March and the coronavirus situation has been, it's been around for about six months now. Why mm-hmm. didn't you come home back in March? Uh, so obviously when there was that announcement that the borders were closing in Australia uh, and Australians should come home, um, I thought about it, of course, but it was really like, I'm not just on holidays here. My life is here. I live here and I have a commitment to my job and uh, the community that is the gym. Uh, And it was really feeling like, well, just see how it goes. It was difficult to understand what was going to happen with the pandemic. I think the information was very mixed from here and Australia. Uh, And you know, it's just a sense of, well, I'm Australian, I'm a citizen, I'll always be able to go home. So if it gets worse, I'll go home then. And um, as the time has gone by, evidently that is not the case anymore. Yeah. So why have you decided now that you would like to, after all, just pack up and come home and, and get out of there? So there were a number of reasons. Um 
but predominantly the cases in the Netherlands are significantly increasing by the day. I think yesterday there was another 1,200 positive cases reported. Uh, and the measures in comparison to the measures in Australia are, are, are pretty much non-existent here. Um, so I have, you know, great fears that the pandemic is going to get significantly worse in Europe, particularly going into winter. Uh, and as it has become increasingly more difficult to get back to Australia, I, of course, fear that it's going to become impossible. And I'm scared of being stuck here. And with the world being so uncertain, uh, I'm essentially alone here. And I just uh, I don't I don't want to be on this side of the world as things become worse and more and more uncertain. Yeah. Has, has this affected your mental health going through this process of trying to get home? Yeah, for sure. Um, extreme anxiety uh, about what the right and wrong thing to do is. And then the fear, you know, overridden with fear of will I ever be able to get home? Um, and as I mentioned, I had to go to extreme lengths to be able to, well, first afford to get home and get a flight. Um, so absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Tell, tell me about the process that you went through of trying to book a flight home. I understand that you um, already had a flight cancelled on you in April, which um, you still haven't got a refund for. And now, obviously, with the international arrival caps into Australia, the availability of, of flights back is very limited. So uh, what was the process you went through of actually booking a flight back to Australia? Yeah, so it was, uh, April I had a trip home uh, booked, which was €1,200 return, uh, which at the time seemed like a lot of money, but definitely isn't anymore. And I haven't had that refunded, so that's been five months. Um, that's through a travel agency with flights on Qantas, so I'm calling them every single day. And in order to get a flight home this time around, uh, first of all, the first flight I could get on was six weeks away. And when I spoke to Singapore Airlines, it was they informed me that my only real guarantee of getting a flight was to buy a business class ticket because economy flights continually getting or economy tickets are continually getting bumped. Uh, so if you buy the highest premium ticket and the flight gets cancelled, you will get on the next flight. But if you buy an economy ticket, you just get uh, you can keep getting bumped for months and months. So I launched a GoFundMe page um, and I'm very, very fortunate to have a very big support network both here in the Netherlands and Australia uh, in which I raised 8,500 euro in about 12 hours since I launched that page, which, wow. which is incredible. The flight cost 5,000 euro, uh, which equates to almost 8,000 Australian dollars one way. Uh, it is a business class ticket because, uh, as she said, that's my only guarantee of getting out. And then looking at, I think it's 2,600 Australian dollars for the hotel quarantine in Perth. I also needed to, a travel exemption approved by the Western Australian government to get into Western Australia, which I did get, fortunately. Uh, so it's it's all in process now. But, yeah, I had to really use a lifeline Um and I am extremely overwhelmed with the support that I've had, but also very mindful that there are thousands and thousands of people around the world that don't have that support. Uh, and had I have not been able to get out, I, you know, things would have been looking really scary and, and, and really horrible for me. 
Yeah, that, it's. I think people would be quite surprised to learn that it's costing over ten thousand dollars just to get a one-way ticket back to Perth. Um, that is a, a lot of money. Um, without that GoFundMe page, would you have been able to afford that? Absolutely not. No way. And it's also a matter of you know even borrowing the money and going back with no income. You know that's that's an extreme burden as well. Um, so, no, I definitely did not have that money to purchase a ticket. Uh, and, yeah, like I said, I'm just – I am really one of the lucky ones. Yeah, no, certainly lucky that you're able to get that support and a little bit sad that it, it kind of came to that, but still a good outcome in the end. You meant, Yeah, you mentioned that economy class wasn't really an option. I mean, the economy ticket's not cheap anyway, but are you aware of um, people that have booked economy tickets and just been bumped and, and still have been unable to get home? Yeah, yeah, um, many, many, many. Uh, um, some friends were booked to go home in November for their wedding, actually, and their flight's already been cancelled and it's September. I'm aware of, of quite a few people. Economy flight is still €3,000, uh, and if you get bumped, I don't know that you get your money back. They just keep bumping you onto another flight and continually keep bumping you. So I know of people recently who who have been bumped from September to December straight away. So it's three months uh, and they just hold the money and then they've got to hang around for three months and hope that they get on a flight, which is not, not always easy for many people here. They don't have jobs. They don't have visas. They don't have money. They don't have places to stay. Um, it's really awful. That's right. I don't, I don't quite understand. Like if, for example, you, you lose your job and you lose your work visa, your visa expires and you can't get home, you're just stuck in a state of limbo. It's just, it's awful. Yeah, and there's many stories about that, uh, people who don't, don't don't even have places to stay. You know, they can't eat. They've, uh, they've already acquired their superannuation. They've spent that waiting for flights that haven't got them out. And, yeah, you know, we've, we have always lived like privilege, like a very privileged culture where we can come and go as we please and it's just it's really hard to understand how Australian people are getting locked out of of their own country. Mm. Now speaking of financial hardship the federal government I think a couple of weeks ago introduced interest-free loans for vulnerable Australians that are currently overseas and unable to return home immediately. Um, I want to ask whether you're aware of these loans and, and what your thoughts are on them. Yeah, so I am aware. Uh, I believe it's fifteen hundred Australian dollars from Europe for a single person. Um, Hang on, so the loan's only up to fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, which is and your ticket costs ten thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. So thanks, but it's not super helpful. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, it just you can't you can't buy a ticket for that. So it's uh, and then again, you've still got to pay it back. But yeah, you need to make up the rest of the money and. And people just don't have that. Right. So not particularly helpful when it doesn't actually cover the cost of the ticket, let alone living expenses. Yeah. And then when you get back, you're probably going to be unemployed because you've given up your job overseas. Yeah. Like not at all helpful, actually. <laughs> Goodness me. Wow. Um, the, yeah. the, other, the other announcement this week has been that I believe from next Friday, the um, various state governments are going to increase their um, arrival caps, the number of people that they're letting in each week. And so the number of people in total that can come into Australia each week should increase if this goes ahead from 4,000 to 6,000. Do you think that's enough? 
Um, well, there's 30,000 last I checked, 30,000 Australians stranded abroad. Um, and by the word, stranded will vary depending on conditions. So, no, I don't think it's enough. And even if it is, people still have to be able to afford flights to get there. Uh, and I think that's the bigger problem as well. So they need to be looking at that. Um, I think the bigger problem is definitely people not being able to afford the flight. So even if they extend the cap of how many can come in, people still have to be able to get there. Yeah, I guess the issue with the flights, though, is that the flights are so expensive because of the caps. Like when an airline can only sell 30 seats on a on a long-haul flight, they're going to sell the most expensive tickets and bump everyone else. So perhaps if they let in more people per flight, then that will that will push down the airfares as well. Yeah, yeah, well, that's a really good point. I mean, they should just... Uh... In my personal opinion, they should have repatriation flights for people who are particularly stranded. And rather than the exemptions to get into the country, you know, perhaps they should have certain things in place for applying for why you need to be repatriated, because I think that's the bigger issue. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I guess just finally, do you have a, a message for anyone in Australia that's listening to this? Well, certainly every single person who donated to my GoFundMe page, I'm extremely grateful. Um, and that we are definitely the lucky country. Um, watching a lot of what's going on in Victoria, and I know that it's really hard for people who are in that lockdown at the moment. Uh, but from coming from the Netherlands, where there are no such measures in place and the cases are increasing by thousands a week. Uh, I'd much prefer to be in a country where they are caring about your health and your safety and putting those measures in place to take care of the people. Um, so I think that's that's a really important thing for people to try and remember uh, that we are sort of looked after once we're there, but we have to be able to get there. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Courtney, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. And I hope that everything works out and you can get back to Australia soon. Thanks, Matt. Much appreciated. So as you've heard from Courtney, the problem now is that those who can least afford to remain stranded overseas at the moment are the same people who can least afford to pay an extortionate price for a ticket back to Australia right now. There is no queue for people wanting to return. It's purely a matter of who can afford to pay for an expensive business class ticket. And there's also a bit of luck involved. And that's an immediate problem that nobody really seems to be addressing right now. And Courtney's is just one of thousands of similar stories. Bianca Gay is also in the Netherlands, having finished her studies in Amsterdam in July. Now her lease in Amsterdam has ended, she's broke, and she cannot get home. Bianca is now living in a former monastery in the south of the Netherlands, picking fruit in exchange for food and accommodation. Kelly Eagle was also studying and working in the Netherlands when the pandemic struck. Having established a life overseas and given the difficulties of getting home back in March when major transit hubs were suddenly closing, she decided to stay put at the time. At that point, it was impossible to predict what even the next few days would be like, she says, let alone months. But now her mother and brother in Australia are sick, and Kelly fears that she won't be able to see them again for a very long time. Kelly is particularly frustrated at what she considers to be financial discrimination, whereby only those Australians that can afford an expensive ticket right now and the quarantine expenses are able to get home. Rochelle Cruz is another Australian that moved to the Netherlands in 2018 for work and is now engaged to a Dutch citizen. She started trying to book flights back to Australia four months ago, but so far five different flights have already been cancelled on her. Now she's also being told that only business class is available. 
Rochelle says that she can't afford to pay for a business class ticket and also can't afford the $3,000 for mandatory hotel quarantine on arrival in Sydney. After paying taxes in Australia for many years, Rochelle feels let down now by the Australian government. In the meantime, Rochelle says that she was unable to go home for her grandfather's funeral in April. She also missed her daughter's 18th birthday and won't get to attend her year 12 formal either or graduation. The situation has now started to take its toll on Rochelle's personal health. She now has severe depression and has been hospitalised twice for it. She says that the Australian Embassy in The Hague is unable to really do much to help her. All she wants to do now is come home by Christmas. But Ariella Reiner, an Australian living in Utrecht for the past three years, considers her family of five lucky because they still have jobs and a place to live. Her eldest son will start high school next year, and the family had been planning to move back to Australia um, for that, and they had started the process of this just before the border closures started. This process came to a grinding halt, though, Ariella says, when the family decided that they couldn't risk arriving in Australia jobless and homeless. She's also concerned about how her children, one of whom has diagnosed anxiety, would cope with being locked up in a hotel room for two weeks when they get back to Australia. Ariella suggests that the system in Hong Kong could be a feasible alternative, where people are given the choice of being sent home and monitored with ankle bracelets, phone tracking and surprise visits to make sure they're quarantining. That would also relieve pressure on hotels. But for now, Ariella's family is staying put in the Netherlands. Those are just a few of the responses I got um, when I reached out to the group of Australians in the Netherlands. And of course, um, there's so many more uh, stories out there, many of them just heartbreaking. Uh, increasing the international arrival cap to almost 6,000 per week is extremely helpful and welcome news to all of those people, but it may not go far enough and the government may need to start looking at other different ways to assist in particular the vulnerable Australians that have been locked out of their own country by stealth for months now. Is your business looking to reach an engaged audience of frequent travellers? Opportunities are available to advertise on the AFF On Air podcast. If you would like to learn more about advertising on this podcast or on australianfrequentflyer.com.au, you can contact admin at australianfrequentflyer.com.au. Well, I'd like to end this fortnight's podcast on a bit of a lighter note now. As you heard in the news at the start of this episode, Qantas will next month run a seven-hour joy flight taking in the sights of Australia from the air. This flight sold out within 10 minutes, demonstrating that there's a lot of pent-up demand to get on a plane right now among Australians. Next summer's Antarctica scenic flights, which will also be on Qantas Boeing 787s, are also selling fast. Some of them are sold out already. They're one of very few opportunities that most Australians will have to leave the country this year, even if you do have to return at the end of the day. But there is a way to travel over the sea right now, if not overseas, without technically leaving Australia and without having to quarantine. And no, I'm not talking about Tasmania, where you would still have to quarantine for two weeks on arrival. Norfolk Island is an Australian overseas territory located between New Zealand and New Caledonia and it reopened to tourists from five Australian states and territories. A state of emergency still does exist on the island, and you will need to get a Norfolk Island entry pass between 24 and 72 hours before arriving. 
But if you're coming from Queensland, South Australia, Northern Territory, Tasmania or Western Australia, and you've only been within those states or territory within the last 14 days, you can now fly to Norfolk Island from Brisbane without having to quarantine on arrival. You just need to make sure that you don't travel through New South Wales, Victoria or the ACT to get there. And if you live in Queensland, South Australia or the Northern Territory, you also won't need to quarantine when you go home either. There are no COVID-19 cases on Norfolk Island and it is not a hotspot. Arrivals from New South Wales and ACT are currently permitted, but you would need to quarantine from uh, for 14 days after arriving. Um, and travel from Victoria is currently not allowed. But this will soon change. It was announced yesterday that from next month, quarantine-free travel from the ACT and New South Wales will also be possible. Flights to Norfolk Island are unfortunately limited at the moment, but they do exist. Air New Zealand flies once per week from Brisbane to Norfolk Island and once a week also from Sydney. If you're coming from Brisbane, flights to the island run from Brisbane on Saturdays and you'd then be able to return back to Brisbane on Fridays. I had a look a few days ago and there was no award availability on any of those Air New Zealand flights, but cash fares are available from around $626 return, excluding baggage. And if you're looking for a way to earn miles or travel with a Star Alliance airline, that's probably one of the only ways you could possibly do that within Australia at the moment. Air New Zealand, of course, is a member of the Star Alliance. But yeah, if you're in Brisbane or any of those other places from which quarantine travel to Norfolk Island is possible, it could be worth considering if you want to take a holiday overseas but can't leave Australia at the moment. Well, it's just, all for, just about all for this episode. Before I go, I want to give a quick shout out to Townsend and Kyle Skus, I hope I pronounced that right, who've um, said thanks for the last episode on the AFF on Air discussion thread. And Kyle Skus said, now I can go back to the threads discussing Virgin and keep up with the boffins there. And he says, if you ever run out of ideas for episodes in the future, could you consider doing something similar where you discuss a current day issue looking um, through the uh, relevant history? Virgin Blue was before my time, so it's definitely helped me to understand the current situation. I'm sure there are others in a similar boat with this or other topics. Um, yeah, so last last fortnight, you might recall, I did go through in quite some detail the history of Virgin Blue and how it became Virgin Australia and is now emerging in a kind of a third carnation. Um, yeah, happy to do that in a future episode. And if, if you or anyone else has any suggestions of, of topics that you would like me to cover in the future, feel free to let me know on the AFF on Air discussion thread. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please also do take just a moment to leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you can. Well, thanks again to my guest, Courtney Devine, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm Matt Graham, and I'll be back next fortnight with more news, tips, and tricks for Australian travellers. Until then, take care.